Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer, Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio. 630 Chad. 6.30 Chad and the Edmonton Oilers Hockey Club present the show that is everything Oilers. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Brought to you by Digitex. Office supplies at huge savings? Yeah, Digitex does that. D-I-G-I-T-E-X dot C-A on Oilers Radio. 6.30 Chad. Hey, it's 104 in Edmonton. This is the second hour of Oilers Now. Bob Stoffer and Brendan Escott with you. I'm out of the home office. Brendan, uh, pushing the buttons at the 630 Chad studio. Oilers now brought to you by Digitex, who wish you and yours all the best during these uncertain times. Digitex.ca is Alberta's number one owned and operated place to buy office technology and software. You can uh, text us at any time on our Ashley Fine Floors text line, 7804960063. Ashley Fine Floors, providing winning results for 35 years. And uh, momentarily, we're going to go to the River Cree Resort Casino Hotline, where we'll hook up with David Staples from the Cult of Hockey. John Shannon joining us today at uh, 1.35 as well. Tomorrow for Canadian Power Pack, Brian Burke along with NHL Hockey and Rogers analyst Louis DeBrusque and Edmonton sporting icon Don Horwood. Friday, uh, we'll hear from Elliot Friedman from NHL Hockey and Rogers, Brent Sutter, owner-operated operator, uh, GM head coach of the Red Deer Rebels, and a big part of Canada's uh, 84 and 87 Canada Cup teams, and uh, Jack Michaels, my play-by-play partner. Without further ado, off to the River Cree Resort Casino Hotline, and we welcome back to the show the cult of hockey's David Staples. Hi, David. How are you doing? Yeah, good, Bob. How are you doing? Uh, not bad. Not bad at all. Uh, reminder for everybody, every day at 3.30, 6.30 chat on the 6.30 chat afternoons uh, with Jalen I carries Dr. Dina Hinshaw's uh, press conferences. And the uh, the numbers are interesting here, David, and I know you're the lead writer. And people will it, – it's, it's funny. We get uh, the occasional stay-in-your-lane tweet. But the fact of the matter, the situation with COVID in the province is directly related to the potential of Edmonton being a host city uh, for a – possible return to the nhl and uh you know you're certainly well versed in this area you're covering this on a day-to-day basis for the edmonton journal um i put some numbers out earlier today uh i i gotta say this the province deserves credit for 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 being honest Uh, a couple days ago they mentioned that 
two uh, two people that had passed away had been incorrectly uh, listed as uh, reasons for death COVID-19, and they actually deducted uh, two, uh, two deaths away from the numbers because this has become an ongoing story. And uh, yesterday, they deducted three positive tests away from the Edmonton health zone to a different health zone. And, and to me, uh, I like seeing a form of transparency, and, and that's being transparent on the government's part. We know the testing rates, and we know what the rates are here in David, uh, in, in Alberta, and specifically in northern Alberta. And I'd just like to get your thoughts on all that, the fact that they are being that honest and open and acknowledging that, uh, you know, Maybe some uh, there are some challenges in terms of identifying, you know, causes of deaths and that sort of thing. They've done a great job, Bob, on their statistics page of really informing Albertans exactly what the issue is. I mean, it breaks down for region, for age. We can see, you know, the age of people who tend to get sickest and uh, most likely to die. We can see which regions are affected, which regions aren't, where the tests are being done, where they're not. And, you know, what we've seen at Edmonton for three weeks to a month now is this is well under control here in Edmonton. There's very few hospitalizations, like just a minuscule number of hospitalizations and people in ICU in Edmonton. And, you know, in terms of the NHL coming back, what I see is you might... You know, I think the players are going to have to be in quarantine. But in a city where if the disease remains in check like this, it might allow the players like to go out and exercise, like to go for a run, you know, know, whatever they're going to do outside in terms of exercising the summer and not worry, you know, that there's much risk at all in terms of you can maintain quarantine, not have any interaction with other people. But, you know, you could do things outside, um, which would be probably be helpful uh, for the NHL players, uh, mental health getting out now and then in a safe area david over the course of the last 16 days there have been 29 positive tests in edmonton for covid19 and there's been thousands of tests and that because we keep hearing testing is important and we also keep hearing there's a lot more asymptomatic people uh, than than we realize with this and i i bring that up uh, you know uh BC's done a real good job with COVID. I mean, they they announced yesterday only seven new cases in the entire province, but they're tested at almost half the rate of Edmonton. So do we do we fully know? And it, it, so you have to do a little bit of digging. And there's nothing wrong with grinding and looking for information to get the the best possible scope as to what's really happening, don't you? Yeah, we've got 51 active cases, and so a city of a million people, and we have 51 active cases. We know where they are. People are socially isolating that have the disease, or mandatory quarantine, I believe, for people that have the disease. So very few contacts with those people. And, um, you know, I think um, we're opening up, Bob, on the 15th of May, The re- you know, restaurants, retail stores, under strict conditions that they've got to follow. The city's opening up again. We'll see what happens after that. But definitely so far so good. I mean, we weren't hit particularly hard in the first place in Edmonton. But uh, 51 cases out of a million people, that's very small infection rate right now and uh, gives me hope that we're going to have a pretty quiet summer. And we have a wide range of opinion out there, right? You have some people say, can't play a game until there's zero cases. I don't know if that's at all 
pragmatic or practical. You know what I'm saying? I don't know. For this might be as low as it gets, David. Like we might gradually reopen, and the levels increase. And then there's other people that say sports is irrelevant. It doesn't matter. Some of those people even listen to a show called Oilers now, but they text me and tell me that hockey doesn't matter and there shouldn't. It's kind of you know, and I'm not saying it should supersede. Uh, uh, by the way, we're getting a, a just a text came in, and, and David, can you maybe explain to people what uh, asymptomatic means? Well, wanna... asymptomatic would mean that you that you have you're infected, but you're not showing any symptoms. So right. The main symptom is coughing. And I think some of the other ones are fever, typical cold symptoms. Asymptomatic would mean that, that you have the disease, but you're not showing. And you, you might not even, probably you don't know that you have it at that point. This is why the testing rate is important for people. Alberta testing at the rate that it is, almost double that of uh, British Columbia. You know what? If it was up to me, they just, they just play the games in Edmonton and Vancouver. Because I look at Western Canada's numbers compared to every other... Uh, you know, if we can if we can get Clarence Clarence to get back up and running, you can make an argument, you know, maybe just play it in Edmonton and Vancouver, but I don't know if that's the least bit pragmatic moving forward. Uh anyhow, it's it's a continuous story. What's your you know you gotta cover this on a daily basis. How much time are you spending doing that and how much time do you get to spend doing the fun stuff in the cult of hockey? Well, I just I just took the week off because i got to stay in the deck and do some other work around the house. So <laughs> I finally decompress. I'm decompressing a bit because it was very intense. I don't know about you, Bob, and I, I suspect it might be the same. It, for everyone, we're all kind of trying to uh, find out everything we can about this COVID-19. And I, for about two months there, I just was going nonstop, reading information, gathering information, looking what people are saying, and extremely, extremely intense workload, uh, kind of trying to come to some... Um, understanding of what exactly we're facing here. So I think, uh, you know, everyone's gone through a huge learning curve, and I yep. think that we're we're getting on top of this. I think that people know what they have to do to keep safe, and I trust people in their own lives here going forward to make decisions. I'm hoping we don't need a heavy-handed government response anymore because that heavy-handed response had the unfortunate effect of threatening every small business with its livelihood. And that would be a huge, that would obviously a huge loss if we lose a lot of these businesses. Yeah, interesting stuff. We're joined by David Staples from the Cult of Hockey. Bob Stoffer joining you right now. Let's get to some quick hitters. Uh, you heard, I don't know if you heard the segment with Brian Lawton talking about the NHL draft. What are your thoughts on that? Well, uh, I really, at this point, I, I do hope that it goes ahead. I didn't hear what Brian said. I was out shopping for Stain. But uh, I, I really hope that it goes ahead here, Bob. I just think it's, it's uh, you know, someone I write about hockey at the Cult of Hockey all the time. And right. this has given us something to write about. It's, and it's kind of fun to, to talk about this. And I know that there's problems and the, the GMs don't like this and won't prefer it. So, so we should but, explain. When you mean go ahead, it should, it should precede the potential return to action for the teams. That's what you're I'm, saying. Yeah, exactly. I'm cool with that. And I know that it's going to impact the trading that would normally go on. But I think there's probably... You know, the NHL teams will adjust. And this is something for the fans to get into. People are super excited. Uh, I can tell by the readership numbers. People are super excited about the draft. It, it, it gets them thinking about the future, hoping for the future, and what's wrong with that. So the NHL GMs, the, you know, the, the people who uh, like things as usual, business as usual, aren't going to like this. But for the fans, 
and for TV ratings, for keeping this business of the NHL going, I think it's it's a positive thing. So I'm I'm diving right in there. I mean, I've made this huge chart in the last few days of like what all the top 20 experts are saying about the draft and kind of coming up with the consensus ranking of it, the top 20 experts. And, and that's been an interesting project for me. David, I'm not screwing around. If it's me and some people won't like hearing this, uh, I'm not taking best available player. The orders are going to draft somewhere around 20th. Yeah. I'm not taking best available player. I'm taking most skilled available forward. The Oilers have got a couple uh, defense prospects obviously coming. I do not. When we get back up and playing next season, I believe that Evan Bouchard is going to start in the minors kind of like Yamamoto did. And the hope is he graduates at some point. Uh, during the course of the season. They've also got Philip Broberg, so they got a couple very good defense prospects. they got to rebuild the forward depth a bit. I, if, if I'm uh, Tyler Wright and and it's Tyler's area, it, it was Keith Gretzky's area, Tyler came in, Tyler was part of the staff that took uh, Broberg last year, I am taking the best available skilled forward. Agree or disagree? Well, I completely agree, and and it, but it's for a practical reason, just not the practical reason of the Oilers needing a defenseman. Right now, this draft is absolutely stacked with talented forwards in a way that I don't think, and I'm just digging into this, in a way that we haven't seen in at least 20 years. This is the single best draft for forwards in the last 20 years, at least. And the talent that we're going to find at 20th, if the Oilers are drafting 20th overall, I think you're going to get a forward that you would usually be of the quality that you would get in the top 10 in a draft will be available at number 20. I think there's about um, three or four defensemen who are top 20 quality in this draft. And I'm just, what I'm doing now is researching the teams that might, you know, have a real need for a defenseman. But I think, so, you know, looking at who might fall to the orders. But there's a number of players, you know, Dawson Mercer, Jack Quinn, Connor Zeri, Seth Jarvis, Rodion Amarov, Nolan Gundler, Maverick Bork, Hendrix Lapierre, uh, Jan Misak. All of these guys might go in the top 10 of any other draft year, but one of these players I think is going to fall to the Oilers, and the Oilers are going to get a really, really good forward in this draft, and I'm excited for that reason. Well, at this time last year, and I, I'm going to have to check the date to see when officially Ken Holland was hired as GM, but I, I had the conversation with Ken. He even... He even brought it up on the air. The last time we did an interview, which was at Rogers Place after the trade deadline, I remember saying again, there might be more here than you thought. And he actually said, Bob, you were the guy that's like, he remembered. who. And I, I was talking about Yamamoto, who they got at 22. I mean, as you know, I thought in late October, watching how slow Edmonton support forwards were, it was a game in Detroit, and Edmonton lost that game. And they were playing with McDavid with Leon up front, and they scored the only goal. But Edmonton had no push on their second, third, and fourth lines. They had no speed at all in those. And I'm like, at some point here, they're going to have to bring up Yamamoto sooner than they want. I think they have no – like, if it were me, unless they love the D-man that's there – they got it because we're not talking a goalie in the first round. They got it, and it's got to be a skilled forward. It can't be a. It's got to be a guy that can uh, can make plays, and you know it's, it's going to be really intriguing to watch. Uh, I know you heard Glenn Gullitson on Oilers now the other day talking about the power play. Like all smart smart coaches or executives, he credited the players. What did you get out of that conversation with Gullitson on the power play? Yes, he did credit the players, didn't he? And, and when you have Leon Dreisaitl, uh Connor McDavid, and Ryan Nugent Hopkins, that's probably a very good idea. And, and, but you know what? He deserves a lot of credit. 
because he took over a power play which was pretty static you know and you you probably rem- we all remember this Connor mcdavid seemed to be fairly much anchored to the right half wall a lot of the time and he'd get the puck there and he wouldn't shoot enough and they'd be expecting the pass and they'd take it away you know you have this guy whose whole game really is moving with that puck and creating on the fly and what gullitson did in this last year and a half um is free up McDavid to move around all over the place just to really freelance. And this, to some extent, Nugent Hopkins and Dreisaitl will do that as well, but it's really McDavid who's on the move, and he's so much more dangerous. So the coach talked about that. The other thing, the other focus has been to get McDavid, Dreisaitl, and RNH to shoot more. So this is why we see this power play shooting a bit less, but getting more grade-A chances overall, because they're getting their, their top, gunners the puck in in their best shooting spots and they're taking shots from there and what we've seen at the same time is a massive decrease a uh, very significant decrease in the shots that are coming from the point from oscar Kleffbaum in particular it's not quite cutting his shots in half but it's close to that in the last two years that we've seen from Kleffbaum. and the coach talked about that and, and you you asked him about you know do you need that big gunner on the power play bob and most nhl power plays most of the guy, power plays in the top 10 don't have that defenseman right now who's shooting a, a lot. Um, a few of them do, but most of the best power plays don't. So I think all of the teams are moving to this, where the emphasis is on shot quality, not on shot volume. Yeah, absolutely. All right, uh, there's a couple unrestricted free agents we want to hit on as well with David Staples from the Cult of Hockey. Mike Smith, no question uh, that Mike Smith and James Neal came in and brought a experienced set of voices and uh i know people in calgary said what they said about james neal last year but uh and he he wasn't great five on five over at stretches this year with the oilers and often got a chance to play in the top six but he's been relatively productive and mike smith had a tough stretch specifically in december and then was pretty much lights out before we got into the break here well not the break the pause um so specific to mike smith let's start with him would you bring him back on a one-year deal so heading into this year i thought it was like a coin flip whether mike smith would turn out or not for the oilers and it's pretty clear that he did turn out the team played really well in front of him partly because of his puck moving he had one really really bad month yes uh december and in that month, he was about the worst goalie in the NHL. And I and I don't know, Bob, maybe you have a better sense of this, whether injury played a part in that or not. I know that he got banged up in a couple games. But he was really weak for that month. But other than that, he played strong. And, of course, I think, um, you know, I'm pretty certain we're going to have playoffs here. So we're going to have the, the um, GM probably doesn't have to decide on Mike Smith until after the playoffs are over. The one thing that you might say in terms of not signing him, and Jonathan Willis just did a really good piece on this at The Athletic, it's this notion that, uh, which is true, that goalies in their 30s, like all NHL players, stayed pretty fast. And if you have two goalies in your 30s, is that really the best bet? It's it's worked out this year. Do you want to push it another year? Um, or do you think Koskinen can play about, you can up his games to about 50 and bring in a, you know, a really quality AHL veteran who could play about 30. Because what Jonathan found, and I think is true, is that there's lots of AHL goalies who are probably capable of stepping into the NHL and playing well. They're just kind of undervalued right now. The owners might be able to find a goalie like that. So, you know, I, I, I'm kind of in favor of bringing back Smith because he's played so well this year. But depending on his playoffs, I think that's going to answer the question. Do you know what I would do? 
I would bring Smith back, and I would also sign a goaltender at the HL level, an experienced guy on a one-way deal. So I'm paying him 700k. So I've got that support because they didn't have that this year down on the farm. And uh, Stred obviously couldn't get back to the level. He had some injury issues that he was at the year before. Stuart Skinner uh, probably got accelerated a little bit quicker. I'd want a more experienced number three op. If I were if I were king, that's what I would do. Riley Sheehan, represented now by Rich Winter. It's interesting that Gaetan Haas has already been re-signed. Sheehan has played more important minutes. He's definitely helped out the Oilers' PK. What do you think's going on there, Dave? Well, the the all the buzz is that that Rich Winter, who can drive a hard bargain, wants a bit more money. You know, Shan I think made about two million a year before he came here, but he could only get that this contract with the Oilers for what was it nine hundred twenty five thousand for one year. He's had a he's had a I thought a, a really good year, especially on the PK. I thought he was the Oilers' best PK player, maybe other than the goalies. But even he might have been actually the best because he's so crucial taking faceoffs and he did a good job. So. I think Josh Archibald money. What it, Archibald get two years at one point five million is in order yep. for Riley Shane. I, I, any more than that, and you're going to have to move on. I think um, I, he's he's a, he's not a third line center. I don't believe, although he had that one great stretch with Archibald yep. and and uh, Negard, but not a third line center. So you can't pay him third line money. David, how do people follow you? At the Cult of Hockey, uh, you can follow me for the hockey stuff at D Staples on Twitter, Bob. All right, that is David Staples from the Cult of Hockey. David, we'll touch base next Wednesday. Thanks, Bob. You bet. Brent Ridge Ford and Wetaskiwin focused on your health and peace of mind. Right now, they're offering special discounts to those battling the COVID-19 pandemic on the front lines, including... Canadian Forces personnel, first responders, professional health care workers, pharmacists, and pharmacy techs. Find out more about how Brent Ridge Ford is built to lend a hand by calling 1-877-477-3673 or visiting brentridge.com. We'll step out for a couple minutes, get to a text, and uh, then get into the news with Eileen Bell. This is Oilers Now. Hi, this is Oscar Clefbaum from the Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer on 630 Shed. Thanks, Oscar. 127 in Edmonton. This is Oilers Now. Let's get into our Ashley Fine Floors text line, 780-496-0063. Mark has asked, hey, Bob and Brendan, do you guys think McDavid would have caught Leon if they were to finish the season? Uh, in other words, so the, the Oilers have 11 games of regular season action left. If they finish the year, do I think that... Uh, do we think that McDavid would have caught dry settle? Uh, Leon's got 110 points. Connor's got 97. That's a 13 point difference. I will say no. I'd say dry settle would have won the scoring race had they played the full season. And we still, uh, unlikely at this stage that we play a full season, but, uh, I, I, I don't see it happening or and would not have envisioned that happening. What about you, Brendan? I'd love to be able to argue the other side of that. Connor missed too much time, and Leon's line was way, way, way pre- too productive in the second half of that season for it to be a, a close race at this point. Yeah, Drysaddle played 71 games. McDavid played 64. Again, a 13-point difference in points. They're basically the same plus-minus. Uh, they pretty much play the same even-strength minutes, uh, same power play minutes. Uh, Leon plays... A minute a game, just under a minute a game on the on the uh, PK. Uh, McDavid seen very little time on the penalty kill this year, just six seconds. Off to a global news weather traffic update with Eileen Balmore on the COVID nineteen pandemic situation, and uh, and then we're going to bring John Shannon in, and we're going to read a uh, text 
from a knowledgeable listener, uh, Herm, who for several years worked in the Western Hockey League. Uh, we'll get to that about uh, maybe the benefits of uh, playing in Canada for the National Hockey League if we are indeed able to get restarted. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer, Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad.